Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to In Transition, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you for joining me this week. Today, it's part two of our discussion with Liz Jakubowski, who is the executive director of a program called Ribbit, which is being run by the CSIRO here in Australia, uh, the Data 61 Um, component or division of um, CSIRO. And Liz is a pioneer of uh, technology and transformation in government and public sector in Australia. And I'd encourage you, if you didn't listen last week, to go back to listen to part one, because that's where you'll get the setup um, about Liz and what she's done and where she's come from. And she actually imparts some great wisdom about how she leads teams and how she's dealing with change. Uh, But this week, we'll start with part two, where we get into the detail of how we join up the opportunity between students and government and businesses so as that we continue to have a smoother path for students at this time of such dramatic and transformational change. But before we come to Liz, we'll start, as we do each week, with the definition of content communication. So content communication is a strategic, measurable and accountable business process that relies on the creation, curation and distribution of useful, relevant and consistent content. The purpose is to engage and inform a specific audience in order to achieve a desired citizen and or stakeholder reaction. So that's content communication. So Liz Jakubowski, we go to part two, and I start by asking a question really around, you know, the challenges of cloud technology, ubiquitous connectivity, virtual reality, augmented reality, machine learning, deep learning, there is so much going on. I started by asking her what she was hoping to achieve with the project that she's undertaken there at Ribbit. Ribbit's basically, uh, it's a free online matchmaking platform that connects students uh, who have digital and STEM skills to businesses who need these skills. And traditionally, they're businesses who are trying to transform themselves in a digital context or to grow. Uh, And I might just, if I can, just talk a little bit about why I set up Ribbit. Yeah. I originally, great, thanks. So I originally looked at uh, the whole problem between industry connecting with researchers and my former CEO, Hugh Durrant-White, who was then head of NICTA, said, um, uh, look, go away and, and see if we can build a platform. So I did, and I was lucky enough to go to MIT to sort of shop around the idea and look at all the different things that were happening worldwide. And over that period of time I was there, a number of them looked at my idea and said, look, this is great, but uh, really you should be focusing on the future talent pipeline, which are students rather than researchers because getting researchers onto a platform is too time-consuming because there's all all these issues around different cultures between business and researchers. There's issues around IP. There's issues around the fact that they can't speak the same language as businesses and uh, that all of this is a a problem not just in Australia but, but everywhere. 
However, they said, um, particularly in the world of, as you just outlined, uh, machine learning, AI, everything changing, the world being disrupted and jobs disappearing, what increasingly is going to be of more importance to um, businesses and economies is how the future talent pipeline uh, gets developed and is connected into a new world. And so uh, they all advised me to go away and to focus on connecting students to businesses rather than researchers. And as part of that, um, what um, the idea is to do is to create, uh, I guess, a, a talent pipeline so that um, not only the students, not only do the students who connect to the, the businesses get value, but um, quite often, and we're already finding this, their supervisors might get involved in this. And um, before you know it, the, the pipeline that I originally tried to establish with Ribbit, which is to connect researchers to business, is happening almost in a de facto way. Can I just tell you why it's called Ribbit? You can tell me, yeah. Go for right. Great. So basically, because of the the whole idea of connecting <clears throat> initially researchers into business, I had a working title for the project. So the name of it and the acronym you'll see is Ribbit was Researchers in Business IT Platform. So um, with that acronym of Ribbit, when I went out and I started talking to students about it. The first thing they said to me was, oh, Ribbit, what a great name. <laughs> I was like, no, don't worry about that. You know, that's just a working title. And ironically, um, the, the best thing, the best response from the students was about the actual name itself. So we kept the name Ribbit, even though it had actually very little relevance to what the platform was um, because of the, the great response from the students. So what's your vision for Ribbit? Okay, so my vision is to have a platform that is uh, effectively connecting students uh, right across universities and TAFEs to startups, small businesses and government agencies really quickly, easily and simply. Right. So we've been around for, yeah, we've been around for uh, almost 15 months now since we launched in Vita. And we've got uh, we've been growing organically. We haven't been doing any marketing because we've got a very small team and a small budget. And over that time, we've grown to a community of now over ten thousand students and around a thousand businesses. And uh, the main markets are still Sydney and Canberra and Melbourne, and we're starting to roll out into Brisbane and South Australia shortly. So in five years' time, what is your hope that you will be able to cr build that community to? Yeah, so, so I would like to increase that tenfold. Uh, there's different views around um, what the, the size of the, the market potential marketplace is in Australia, but we know that roughly um, uh, there's about 2 million businesses uh, that are SMEs with under 200 employees in Australia. And um, there's probably, while a lot of them are single owner operators, a lot of them um, of the SMEs are between of um, about five to 200 employees. And that's the, the market that we're really focusing on because that's where we see there to be greatest market failure. There are quite a lot of job platforms out there and many of them are looking at working directly with corporates 
uh, and doing specialised recruitment around internships. But not many people, in fact, no one, as far as I know, when we started last year was actually in this space doing what we're doing. I think there are a few others that are looking at sort of specialised parts of the market now, which um, uh, you know may may be addressing similar parts of the market. But we thought we'd do this because uh, it's really critical that startups and small businesses get the sort of support they need from uh, being able to access university students really easily. And yet most of them just don't have the resources or the time that large corporates do to go into the universities and make uh, build relationships with um, the career centres, uh, sponsor events, you know, spend time sort of building up that sort of um, rapport so that they get a regular pipeline of, of students. So what we're hoping to do with Ribbit is to, to sit alongside um, those uh, people that work in university centres and um, give them an opportunity where the students and the businesses can connect directly and to make that um, uh, an effortless thing for businesses to be able to do so that rather than going through individual universities, they can connect with, um, they can post a job and they can get uh, applications from students from, say, in Canberra, it'd be a the ANU, it'd be CIT, Canberra University, ADFA, you know, whatever whatever the um, particular skills requirement it is that they have, and to do that all through one platform. Now, have you, is it limited to STEM students? It's not limited to STEM students. However, our focus is on students who've got skills that are addressing the current skill shortages that businesses have. So just a, a little bit of rolling back here, if I may. Uh, in 2016, Accenture did this landmark study in Australia, which found that roughly 87% of Australian businesses uh, were expecting to be disrupted by digital changes over the next three years. But only 7% at that time had a plan, and that was early 2016. And I think a similar study was repeated by Deloitte uh, towards the end of last year, and the figures aren't that much different. Uh, I think there's more awareness now, but uh, people are still trying to work out what to do and how they address skill shortages. And we know that there's a global skill shortage uh, around areas like uh, computer science, software engineering, um, uh, and um, various things around uh, digital media, social media, web development, uh, and we thought if we could basically get together a cohort of students from right across all the universities and TAFEs who have these skills and they're able then to connect or we're able to connect them easily through this platform to the businesses that need these skills, then what we're addressing is a real problem in the marketplace that we can help solve. So 10,000 students, uh, sorry, yeah, two, sorry, 10,000 students, 1,000 businesses. What has surprised you the most about, about the whole matching system? What, what has happened that you have thought to yourself, oh, I actually didn't think that would be the problem or that's something I didn't anticipate? Mm, good question. I... I think uh, so. We've been surprised that a number of the large corporates have come to us 
and expressed interest in using the platform. Yeah, but it's not uh, for them. They can go away. They've no, got their they've got their own money. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's that's been a surprise to us. Uh, because are they we welcome? Thought, no. Are they welcome? So, so here's the interesting thing, right? We're we're focusing on small businesses and startups. Yeah. Um, on the on the business side. On the student side, we're focusing on giving them um, any help we can that is going to help help them get a job. So we're, we're wanting to make the platform as useful to them as possible. And while we're driving the traffic predominantly to startups and small businesses, if a corporate comes along and says, look, we've got these businesses here, it's a free platform, can we post on your platform? Um, we can't, we're not going to say no. Because if that means that one of the students on the platform ends up getting a job, then that's got to be a good thing. So we we did consider that and we tried to make sure that, you know, are we being true to our values in terms of addressing, um, you know, what we're really about doing? And at the end of the day, we really are about trying to give these students um, the best possible opportunities. So while we're not targeting corporates, we're not ruling them out. And if they come to us and want to use the platform, that's fantastic we feel because it just means that there's more opportunities for the students there. Now you mentioned computer science, software engineering, data analytics, digital media, social media. What yep. what is the the biggest area of demand from small uh, businesses and startup businesses for skills? Right. So one of the great things with Ribbit is uh, because we've got a data algorithm that under um, sort of underpins the whole platform in terms of matching. We're actually able to get aggregate data and to look at where the skill shortages are. And we did a recent um, uh, analysis around this. We published some stuff in the Fin Review last year from our early data. But predominantly, uh, the skills that employers are looking for very much come down to things like, um, you know, can can we set up a new um a uh, web system or a web platform or can we um, get some new way of connecting with customers or can we do some, you know, redesign? Uh, there are also things around business modelling and data analytics that are coming out as uh, key things that employers are increasingly interested in. There's a lot of demand for market research uh, and there's um, constant ongoing demand for just good marketing and communication skills. And it's interesting that um, whatever happens and however the world changes, there's still this really fundamental demand from people to have um, people working for them that can communicate clearly uh, and, you know, get whatever message it is they want across. So, you know, there are some sort of standards that you would expect in terms of skills, but all of them are increasingly being contextualised into this uh, into this digital context. So if I can just recap and say what we're finding is it really doesn't matter what sort of degree a student is doing and uh, it, we find by and large from um, a lot of the jobs, the applications, the successful applicants, we see that uh, students uh, might have a maths degree, an applied maths degree or an accounting degree or physics or biology um, or biomedical. And it doesn't matter whether they're that or software engineers or business analysts. It's really about uh, whether they're the right sort of cultural fit for that company and whether they can learn those skills quickly enough. 
So obviously it's an advantage if you're a software engineer. You know, you can probably do Python and you can do R or um, any number of um, programming languages, and that's very helpful if, if that's for a specific role. But what we're also finding is that uh, particularly with smaller businesses and startups, they're hiring not quite all-rounders, but they're hiring people that can be developed into other roles as well. So if you've got good communication skills, if you are a good person that works in a team, you know how to um, uh, initiate things yourself, you're a self-starter, you're reliable, you know, you're 80% of the way there. And uh, if you're smart, employers generally think, well, you can probably learn a lot of the skills that we need. And if you're the right cultural fit, we're happy to invest in you. And um, that's the way, um, yeah, that's, that's their preferred approach. How good a job are the universities and the institutes of technology doing in preparing students for these jobs that businesses need filled? Look, I think it's it's Come patchy. on, don't, don't, don't give me the political answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, look, it's interesting. She says it? as she thinks, what am I going to say here? <laughs> no, it's, you know, what I was thinking about was actually just this morning I was talking to um, Matt Sillia from South Australia, um, from uh, Flinders University, uh, who runs a new ventures institute. And this is exactly the area that, that he is addressing. And um, uh, we were actually talking about what, what are the skills, you know, how, how do we make these students employable? And he's got some fantastic ideas there. So I guess just to sort of put that in context, with um, more broadly, I think increasingly universities are getting on top of this. I think some are faster than others. I know that uh, there's a great cohort of people in Canberra, um, and I am sounding political now, but it, it is true. You know, when you look at um, some of the outstanding work that's going on um, across the Canberra universities and the connection with the Canberra Innovation Network, um, the Collibits and um, uh, the Griffin Accelerator, you can see that there's already this uh, amazing ecosystem that is starting to, to really change all that. And when they're working um, in partnership with the universities, uh, and because, again, Canberra's got such a clever cohort of people, I think that's happening really well. When I look more broadly, there are still some places that aren't quite on top of it. But, um, yeah, I think everyone's aware that this is changing quickly and, and they've got to get onto it. How important is geographic sort of factors? Because it's, it, it's probably easier for Canberra because it's only a small city and everyone knows each other and you can sort of just walk over there or catch a bus and be connected. Whereas if you're working in a bigger city, there's that overlay of traffic, of time, of other commitments, of everything that sort of just really makes these connections much, much harder to to create. Yeah, so Canberra's great because of exactly what you said. Uh, everyone knows everyone else and uh, and I think there's a shared interest around getting the right sort of outcomes for the for the local economy and that's why I think Canberra is, in fact, in already, you know, being very, very successful in this area. I think it's it's harder in big cities, but the other advantage that bigger cities like Sydney and Melbourne have got is they've got critical mass. So you can have, you know, different sort of pods, if you like, of communities yeah. working. And, um, and they're still going to be successful because you've got large investment there. So, uh, 
look, ideally it, it would be good to have better connections across all of them and I think uh, there's a great community of people which I would definitely include um, yourself, David, that are trying to make those links across those communities. Yeah. And uh, no, seriously, this is this is the critical thing. I was talking to um, Aaron Birkby from Startup Catalyst the other day, and this is something that he's trying to do too, right, where he's got this uh, great idea about uh, sending a mission of young people to innovation hotspots all around the world. And uh, it doesn't matter whether they've gone to uni or not. They, they just have to be, you know, wanting to, to be an entrepreneur and wanting to build new businesses and, and um, you know, be really motivated. And, you know, how we in Australia can support this community of, of young people and not only young people. I mean, there's plenty of people who have been really successful working all their lives in a job and they've either been displaced because of disruption or they they've retired but they're still you know relatively young and healthy and you know how do we get those people sort of re-engaged and um doing new things uh and i think so increasingly you've got you know people like yourself who are looking at the whole content um equation and and how you know as i was saying before it gets back to communication how do you communicate an idea how do you get people behind it uh, supporting it, executing it, and getting this community of people working together alongside each other for the same objective. Um, it sounds like we're all one big kumbaya sort of, you know, <laughs> holding hands, but really that's 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 working. That's already starting to work, and I'm seeing examples of every day, and it's it's pretty inspiring. So in terms of that, you know, and the changing nature of work, given the impact of technology that we were discussing before, it's, what sort of attitudes are the young people taking when they're coming out of their university degrees? Is there, is there a, an optimism or is there this sense that, you know, wages growth is flat, you know, that the golden age, particularly in this country or in most Western democracies, perhaps has passed, you know, the baby boomers have sucked up all the wealth and they're holding on to it. Um, that, you know, technology is going to take out the bottom end of the marketplace and so therefore, you know, particularly in those starting jobs, it'll soon be done by an algorithm. What sort of attitudes are, the, are, are you seeing across the board in terms of, 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 you know, people coming into the workforce for the first time? Uh, I think it's that's a great question, actually, and it's something I think about all the time. Uh, so I believe that uh, it can be very daunting for students if they feel that uh, things um, – I mean, they already feel sort of quite nervous about the future and um, because things are changing so quickly – uh, a lot of them are doubting, have I done the right course? Am I going to get work? What else should I be doing? There's a lot of anxiety around that age anyway in, in the late teens and early 20s. Um, and it's a really important time for people in their lives because they're, that's a time when they're really sort of developing a sense of identity about who they are and, you know, what are they going to do? Are, are, are we going to live up to our parents' expectations? Are we going to do something completely different and rebel? Can, have I even got time and can I afford to rebel? You know, do I need to get a job and try and get skilled up more quickly? So there's all that going on in their head. And at the same time, you know, you've got sort of um, policy leaders, um, politicians, um, people in the community, um, influencers saying, oh, you know, it's the end of the world as we know it and 50% of jobs are going to disappear and, and – um, and yet not necessarily really providing anyone with a real compass of, of what to do. 
Um, I think sort of coming back from all of that is, you know, one thing we do know is that humans have been pretty good at surviving um, and outlasting, outliving um, other species so far. And I, I am optimistic that um, uh, they are going to um, continue to be able to work these things out. Uh, and I think that um, there is reason, there is a lot of reason for optimism. There's a lot of really thoughtful books and things that are being written about this right now. But I think the main thing that we can do um, for those of us who are already engaged in the community and in the workforce and able to to um, influence this in some way is to give them the opportunities to to really help them make their own way. Uh, and by that I mean, you know, connecting them into opportunities with, you know, businesses, with good communities of, of people who um, are also smart, who are supportive, who are going to um, enable them to um, grow their own skills, their own creativity, and as much as possible um, to create a, a bit of a safety net for this for this community of people coming up in um in, uh, in their early years because uh, that's going to be ultimately the thing that is going to benefit them most of all. Even if they don't have the same job um, or, ex- you know, they don't end up doing the same thing they expect to do now in five or ten years' time, it doesn't really matter because um, whatever skills they are that are building, with every new experience – and with every encounter with um, clever, smart, supportive, creative people, uh, I think they're just going to develop themselves further. So, um, yeah, that's sort of my thoughts on it. Yeah, it, well, it's, it's interesting you say that because I do quite a bit of talking to student groups in the universities um, through it here in Australia and also overseas as well. And it's interesting, I, I, I often start the any talk that I give by – telling the students how envious I am that they're sitting where they are and I'm standing where I am thinking, oh, I would love to be their age, knowing what I know now, but also knowing how dramatically um, the context has changed in which the way that you can do work and what you can accomplish now um, compared to how it was when I was their age and and how the, the system was. So, it is, yeah. it is really about trying to fill them up with that optimism to say, well, actually, it's, it can potentially be so much better. Um, but again, I think that that point that you get to, it really is about opportunity, creating opportunity, and even going back to your, you know, your leadership guidance that you gave us there early is to, to trust that they will learn quickly because they're whip smart. They are so bright. You know, they're so oh, smarter than we were at the same age, you know, as a collective. You know, the younger people, they're so impressive, confident, they've got the skills and, you know, yeah, I think the sort of, you know, the the general noise that, that sort of washes around, you know, in what sort of goes for the media these days could be a bit debilitating whereas I think if if they sort of get underneath all of that and really focus in on, well, what, where, where can they create the value and they can get that opportunity and, as you say, it is the responsibility of me and others like me to give them that opportunity. You know, I see it here in my business all the time. We see these bright young people come in and they just take off. You know, yeah. they're, they're just so smart. Well, again, it's it's about you giving them that, um, yeah, that, that sort of um, 
environment where they can develop. And that that optimism is is absolutely critical to to human nature to everything. I think we and similarly we have to approach all of this with um, you know being sensible and realistic, but we have to be optimistic about what's possible. I also think that you know doing this and um, and your business has been great at doing this, David. Uh, but just uh, if every business could sort of um, or you know lots and lots of businesses in Australia could think about what can I do. What can I do that's sort of bigger than what I'm already doing that's going to make a difference? And if they brought a, a young person on and gave them a chance um, and, uh, you know, really helped them develop skills help and, you know, in return, hopefully they're getting the value, you know, for their particular business out of it as well, then um, if we see all that as a collective sort of um, approach like Germany, for example, does Germany, who, as we know, as we know, is one of the most successful economies in the world, their whole approach about engaging with young people and the the contract between the business community and uh, students is just so strong and so natural. And in Australia, we we haven't got that yet. So what what I really would love to see would be that actually happening, um, you know, on mass. And you asked me before, you know, what's my vision for Ribbit? And my vision is if I can, you know, in some way um, help contribute to bringing this about um, and to make this, you know, um, part of the cultural change that we um, as an Australian business community uh, develop over the next five years, then I'll be really proud of uh, having achieved my goal. Is this the is this the last one for Liz ja- J- Jakubowski, the last rodeo or...? You're going to put, is there something else to do after this? Um, no, look, look, look. I'm, I'm, um. <laughs> find, you'll find another problem. I think you'll be going at 100 miles an hour until they turn the lights off. Look, I'll put it this yeah. way. I won't be one of these people that, that says, um, you know, when, when they're about to die, gee, I, I wish I'd have spent less time at work because I'm one of the the very, very lucky people in the world who um, pretty much every day of my life I have been thrilled to go to work and I've just enjoyed so much what I'm doing. So um, for me, you know, work, um, the work I've had a chance to do is is um, has been so satisfying and, um, yeah, no, I, I'll, I won't ever stop and I, I will die with um, no regrets. <laughs> with your boots on. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Liz Jakubowski from from Ribbit. Where can people access this? And we do have quite a, a substantial global audience for for in transition because we're communicating to such a a narrow audience. You know, we have listeners all over the world. People who are interested in this challenge of government and public sector communication. So, where could people find out a little bit more about Ribbit? And if they're overseas at this stage, um, obviously they they can't access the platform. But do do you want to go overseas at some point? Yeah, actually, we're doing a pilot. Um, oh, hopefully, at the end of this year with um, San Francisco. So there's a ah. bunch of Aussie startups over there who are interested in in using it. And we just um, last week kicked off a project with China. So um, whilst we're still very early stage and obviously we want to be able to deliver um, to expectations, uh, there is interest already in using the platform globally. So that is part of our roadmap. Uh, So Ribbit is part of – it's a project within Data61, which is in the CSIRO 
Australia's leading scientific organisation. And so if anyone wants to find us, we're ribbit.net. But if you Google CSIRO, CSIRO uh, and Ribbit, you can find us that way. Uh, otherwise, just go straight to ribbit, R-I-B-I-T dot net, and um, you can find us there. Fantastic, Liz. Well, listen, thank you very much for giving up some of your uh, time to be with us uh, this afternoon. This is the end of part two. It was such an interesting conversation. I thought I would keep the tape rolling. It's not, we, don't talk, we don't have tape anymore, obviously, but I thought we'd keep it rolling because it was such a great chat. And as we come to the end of part two, I know that the audience will have certainly enjoyed your wisdom and insights and to understand you know, those earlier tips about, you know, how do we get things done at the political level, you know, your insights around leadership, but then, you know, this challenge, this optimistic challenge that I think we all as employers and public sector employers as well, let's give the young people the opportunities that they deserve. Let's give them the guidance, the direction and the confidence that they can get things done. And I think that, you know, let's hope that we can keep those unemployment numbers as low as we possibly can so people can have, you know, the dignity of a job and I think it's a it's a great mission that you've got there and uh, long may that continue and we will certainly be supporting it every day of the week here at Content Group. So thank you very much Liz Jakubowski and thank you the audience for tuning in once more to In Transition and we'll be back at the same time next week with another fantastic guest in the world of content communication but for the moment it's bye for now. You've been listening to In Transition the program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. For more, visit us at contentgroup.com.au.